Hello and welcome to Her Own Boss, a podcast for women who dream of quitting the 9 to 5 grind and starting their own business. In this podcast, we talk to women who have spun an idea into a thriving business to learn the secrets of their success. We will look at what made them take that leap, how they went about it, the highs, the lows, and the lessons learned along the way. I'm Rachel Russell, the editor of Next Magazine and host of Her Own Boss. Today, we're going to be delving into the world of PR. We're talking to Natalie Williams, founder of The Social Experience, a public relations agency with a focus on helping businesses navigate the digital world. Natalie launched The Social Experience in 2017 at the age of 31 and has great insights on being a young woman setting out to be her own boss. Natalie, thank you for coming in today. Thanks so much for having me, Rachel. It's so great to be here. Can you tell us, what were you doing for a job before you started The Social Experience? Um, I was actually doing a really interesting combination of things. I had decided that I definitely wanted to start my own business, but I realised I hadn't studied business. I'd studied a Bachelor of Communication Studies. So I wanted to really know the systems and the processes that are needed to build a strong foundation for a successful business. So I was part of a startup business, uh, part of a team with an investor and a really successful uh, entrepreneur where we actually uh, brought a gym and renovated it and actually increased the membership to become a profitable business. So through that whole process, I got to see how to take over a business, how to reinvent a brand, how to attract new members, and how to put processes and systems in place that would work to make a profitable business. That was amazing. And then I actually went uh, in-house for um, one of my really good friends who's a successful entrepreneur who's built his business from the ground up and it's been running for seven years and it's really profitable. And I actually decided to go in-house as like a business internship where I was able to go into the executive meetings. I was able to shadow him and see the decisions, the responsibility, the stress and what it takes to manage staff and to manage a business at that level. And that really gave me a huge amount of insight. So at what point in your journey did you feel, okay, I'm ready now to go and do this on my own? How did you know that it was time for you? You know what, I actually think there's no perfect time. You know, in life, I think that, and all my friends or women that I talk to at events that are passionate about wanting to do their own thing, and there's always obstacles, there's always excuses, I guess, or reasons maybe why you can't do it right now. But, you know, the time when I decided to do it was actually, it was just, I was so passionate about doing it. And it wasn't like I had all this money in the bank at all. And I just thought, you know what, I am at the age, I've got the energy, I've got the passion, and I have the skills. And work is such a huge part of our lives. And I wanna wake up every day and love the clients and the projects that I'm working working with and the people I'm working with, you know, and I wanna also be in control and be my own boss. And I just thought, now's the time to do it and to do the grind. You know, it takes uh, on average three years in New Zealand for a business to become profitable. So I thought, okay, now's the time to hit it really hard and to, you know, create something for myself. Did you, were you able to start your business plans before you left your previous job? Were you able to get the ball rolling before you gave up that financial security? It was really interesting. They actually wanted me to stay in-house and, and kind of be a part of that business because it was so rapidly growing. So I, there kind of was a bit of a, 
a, a pull there to kind of stay in the comfort zone and just have that wage and that security. Uh, but I really knew that it was just time that I had to do it. So I just started thinking about it, but I was very full on and very busy in that role. Um, so it kind of all happened quite quickly. I kind of had thought about it a little bit, mapped out a bit of a plan, but then just decided, you know, I handed in my resignation and then I just went full on. I decided that I needed actually to devote myself wholeheartedly to it. And that's when I started to draft my business plans, launch the website and started to really, you know, get the ball rolling. And I found that actually having that pressure to sign a client and to get it started was a really healthy thing for me because there was no other option. It was like it had to succeed and it had to work. You had to pay your rent, presumably. <laughs> yeah. So it's really great. It's like you just have to back yourself and, um, you know, I thrive off a bit of, a bit of pressure. I think stress can be a really healthy thing. Um, if you know if we convert it and channel it into the right the right way so for me it was just like okay this is it and I had a goal and I just went for it but it was really nice to not have anything else in my head that I had to think about or work on or you know I thought for me I really enjoyed being able to be just living breathing this new baby that I was giving birth to what was your um, biggest fear going into it I think that your biggest fear is failure but I was just fortunate enough, I guess, to have these entrepreneurs in my life. And so I got to ask a lot of hard questions and I got to see a lot of things. And I think the fear of failure can be sometimes a really healthy thing as well because it drives you really hard. Um, but that, that was probably my biggest thing was like, what happens if it doesn't work out? But for me, again, it's like that's not an option and I'm just going to focus on succeeding and I'm focusing on where I'm going and of course, I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to learn a lot along the way, um, but I can tweak and refine and perfect as I go. Um, so you've been in business for 15 months now. What mistakes have you made along the way that you've gone? Okay, well, I've learned from that now. Yeah, there's been a few, a few, like a few big learning curves that I'm really passionate about sharing with other people because I wish, I wish someone actually had told me a few of these things. Um, and one of them is like the co-sharing working space. So I signed up, signed a contract, and thought, oh, this is going to be absolutely amazing. Meeting rooms, which are really professional, and I have a resident desk. Um, but actually, co-sharing working life really didn't work for me. Like I ended up just getting shifted around. I ended up getting put next to comp competing businesses that I was told weren't in competition with me, but they were. And you discuss a lot of IP over the phone. You are discussing intricate details for clients. It's your unique selling points. What makes you, you know, separates you from other companies and people can hear that and just go approach your clients. So I think having wisdom around that's really important. It's really loud and not everyone's friendly. Like, I just thought that, you know, everyone's honest, everyone's a good person, everyone wants to help everyone else in the startup community. But, you know, I was a, bit, a little bit naive, I think, and you I'm surprised up. to hear that. I thought that it would be a case of, yeah, let's band together and stronger together. But no, not, not always Yeah, my experience was really negative. And also, I had signed up for 12 months, and I was actually told by the organisation that, I, when I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to terminate, I was liable for the full amount and it's quite a large amount of money. Obviously you can, it's a business expense, but um, actually, you know, one of the biggest learning curves is having a lawyer and making sure that you, people think they can push you around when you're a new business or a startup. 
but actually people will lie and mislead sometimes. You know, you meet some amazing people and you also meet some other people that are just out for themselves. And in this instance, I was told and misled and told that I was liable for the full amount of money when actually I had grounds to terminate if I was unhappy. So I think having a really good advisory board, a really good accountant, a good business coach and a great lawyer, really important. Even for a startup who might think, oh, I can't afford all that at this point, you think it's still crucial? Absolutely, absolutely. I think people will, uh, they will leverage your naivety if they can. I think, you know, my eyes have been really opened and I wish people just kind of told me that. Yeah, you. it's a balance. Like I've met some incredible people that are so inspirational and will be lifelong friends and then I've met some other people that have really made me uh, you know, just open up my eyes and realize that it's a big wide world out there and you need to be cautious and really wise when approaching contracts or deals because things aren't always as they appear to be or don't believe what people actually tell you. Make sure you just check the legal documents and you have really good legal advice. Do you think being a young woman has heightens that problem? Absolutely. Yeah, I really do. And I think that sometimes uh, with some of the industries that I go into with winning new business, it's really important to make sure, you know, that you're just very professional and that people understand that there's very clear boundaries as well when they engage with you. I think being a young female sometimes in male-dominated environments, they sometimes can write you off or think that you're a bit of a pushover. So I think being assertive is really valuable in the long run. So being assertive, you call that one of the key attributes to being a business owner. What would be some of the other key attributes, you know, that's going to, if you're going to be somebody running your own business, what kind of personality traits um, help you succeed? Uh, I think you need to be really resilient. Um, being resilient, you know, you'll have some weeks where it's incredible, you sign these amazing contracts and you just feel like you're you know, on this incredible high and everything's working. You have other weeks where you know, the wheels will come off, people will just overreact, there'll be problems you need to solve, clients won't pay you on time, you know, things like that. So I think being resilient is one of the most important attributes that you need, really having a thick skin, not taking things personally, and being able to go home at the end of the day and detach from the business because there's always going to be more work to do. There's always going to be another client to sign. There's always going to be a client that wants more work than what they're paying for. You know, this is just the reality of running your own business. So, you know, I think also being able to put strong boundaries, healthy boundaries in place to have healthy client relationships is really important. And not being afraid to have to push back when you need to. What do you do to put those boundaries in place? Do you, What do you do when you get home to make sure that you're separating out your work and your life I've had to learn at the beginning I worked really really hard and you kind of do have to put in some intense hours but I've really learned to stay positive and upbeat and fresh and passionate you have to make sure that you're really fit and um, that's been one of my key things I train every morning and when I've had weeks where I've let work overtake my life and I've let those things go out the window I'm actually not at my best so health is hugely important to me being fit being active clearing your mind uh, also uh, nutrition eating really well is very important as well um, and making sure I've got things to look forward to that aren't work related so I'm balanced so when I get into that boardroom for that client pitch 
I am, you know, I'm not overreacting to things. I'm able to sell things, you know, to the best of my ability. I'm able to really connect and be present and not bombarded by all these worries or concerns that I have in my mind. You really have to learn how to carry things and be comfortable with having a whole lot of things going on all at the same time. Going back to resilience, do you think people are born resilient or do you think there are things you can do to teach yourself to be a little more resilient? I think you can definitely develop resilience. I think there's different personality types and some of us are probably a little bit stronger than others, but absolutely you can develop resilience. And I think over the last 15 months, that's something that I've really I've really developed. And I'm actually, I think that's one of the most amazing things about going on this journey. And I don't think I would have developed it if I hadn't gone through you know, these different experiences and I hadn't made these mistakes that I've made. So... Yeah, I think it's something everybody can develop. So if you're a softer personality and you don't think that you can be tough or you can't put these boundaries in place, you you absolutely can. What do you do when you've had a really bad day? Do you do a workout? Yeah, I do a few different things. Um, the thing I'd probably like to do is have a glass of wine. I bet. <laughs> That's the number one thing we all reach for, right? Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's really, you know, I have a really good trainer. I have a really good nutrition plan. So for me, I get like a cheat night once a week. So I plan that strategically of my favourite place. And I really look forward to that. So that kind of helps me. Knowing I've got that every week really helps me as a reward. Um, but yeah, I, w- I love walking. I think a really good power walk, uh, listening to a good podcast or talking to a really good advisor are things that really help me. Do you have a lot of support from friends and family in going into doing this? Or were people like a bit cautious about whether it was a good idea to start your own business? Uh, to be really honest, my family's very entrepreneurial. And so I've always grown up with that and quite a few of them are quite successful. Uh, But the majority of the feedback that I got from people was, what are you doing? And a bit of that tall poppy, I think, you know, like, who do you think you are to just launch this business? And people saying, but you need all this money and you're not ready yet. And I, I actually had one of my really good friends tell me, you will never successfully run your own business. You're just not up to it. Are you still friends? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are actually. But I just laughed and I was like, that's your opinion. I think not letting negative comments or what people say to you define who you are. You have to have that inner strength. You have to know who you are. You have to know where you're going and you have to be confident with your ability. And I, I just laugh at people now. And I think that you have to be careful who you take feedback from. I have some friends who will come to things and recently tried to give me a whole lot of feedback about something, but they've never done, you know, they've never, you know, been pioneered their own business and they're not in the industry and they don't understand the KPIs and what we're trying to achieve or the strategy behind it. So I think sometimes it's really good to have boundaries and friendships where you're like, let's not talk business, you know, let's just talk other things tonight. I'm very selective who I let into my business world and who I take advice from. I always only take advice from people that I know have actually done it and understand and have been successful. Yeah, I think that's good advice because otherwise you would have so many different voices in your head telling you different things. You wouldn't know which direction to turn, would you? Yeah, that's right. And if somebody has been a really amazing worker and had a career where they've worked their nine-to-five job, sometimes it's really it's really hard for them to understand what, what it's like to leave that security and then totally build something from the ground up and make it profitable. So I, th- 
and also some people aren't made for it maybe it's not a good fit for them so it's just understanding that everyone's different but you definitely need to just focus on what it is that you want to do and you need to really not take on board the negative comments because they'll slow you down and they'll weigh you down you mentioned before about um, the importance of a business mentor how did you find a business mentor well I was really lucky because one of my best friends you know, was the entrepreneur that I shadowed. So he gave me a lot of great advice and huge amounts of insight. So I was really lucky to have that and to have someone to bounce things off. But I also went through professional business mentoring with uh, Nick Egerton, and that was amazing. It's kind of like a 90-day business coaching plan. And that was really good for me because it kind of helped me condense uh, a lot of what I wanted to do in the future and kind of gave me a little bit more insight. We talked about business models and advisory boards and the best way to structure things moving forward. And it was great to be able to have somebody that uh, was completely external come in with fresh eyes who, you know, Nick's got a lot of experience. He's worked with over 500 startups before. So just to have his insight and looking at my business from a new perspective was really valuable to me and to walk out of that with a new plan of all these things that I know I need to do to be able to really take my business up a level. Do you still check in with a business mentor or with your friend? Yeah, I do actually. I still bounce things off both of them. Yeah, depending on on what it is or if I have a really difficult situation, I think it's really important to have some people that just have more experience than you to be able to kind of ask advice from. And what kind of tips have they given you in terms of growing your business? What are some of the, um, you know, a lot of startups get stuck at a certain level. How do you take that next step and make sure you're still growing? I think one of the really valuable things that I've learned is creating systems like a business pipeline. Um, a pipeline's really great because I always had a few different people that I was pitching to and I had to understand that it's very different working in the business and working on the business. So you have to be able to really allow time for both things because you can get so consumed by the clients that you're working for at that time that you don't realize in a few months those projects will end and actually you have a whole lot of capacity to take on other clients. So keeping up your business and your billable hours and re-signing people is really important so that you have a consistent steady flow of work and just learning that you should have like 50 people in your business pipeline and how to track that you know in an excel document and how to be able to calculate you know your cash flow I think cash flow is really important too being able to have a system I have a bookkeeper I have a great accountant and we track everything through zero so I think having software to be able to track all your payments is really important that was something early on that I decided I would rather outsource that to an expert and I'd rather spend my time actually doing what I'm good at which is you know the PR and the events and the marketing or the digital and so I think really figuring out what what needs you and what can you outsource to somebody else that's not going to slow you down and make you not enjoy work. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. What do you outsource? Because you don't have any staff. Do you have, a, have any full-time or part-time staff? So what we do, to be more, um, one of our unique kind of advantages is that we're able to be more reasonably priced because we work on a project kind of basis. So I have, over the last 10 to 14 years of being in-house, have built some amazing relationships with specialists uh, across a whole range of, of different skills and we have around 25 contractors that we contract at one time but the great thing about it is that we run I think trying to keep your overheads lean is really important because then you're not having to charge your client 
for all these unnecessary overheads, but still able to deliver a really high quality product. So that's, I think, one of the reasons why we have done well in the first 15 months is that I can deliver uh, as good a product or publicity campaign as one of the top PR firms in New Zealand at a more cost-effective price. So if a project comes in, I then will source the right contractors that I need and I just bring them in, you know, depending on my workload um, and depending on the skill set. So I'm not going to go and edit a video because that's not what I'm good at. But I have some really, you know, great editors that I lean on and I negotiate really competitive rates with them because we put through so much business in a year. So you build really good strategic partnerships. And that's the future of work, isn't it? The gig economy everyone's a contractor and you bring them in when you need them. Absolutely and some of the research, one of the people that's really inspired me is Lisa Messenger based um, in Australia in Sydney from Collective Hub and I've read all her books from uh, right from the beginning. She basically started that Australian you know, magazine and she's just released in, in 37 countries but then she became a speaker and she's writing books and from the outside in I was like wow I want to be like her she's just released her latest book called Risk and Resilience and I really uh, really would suggest everyone reads it and it just talks about how she lost 16 million dollars and how she's basically stripped everything back to a contracting model and keeping everything lean and she's let the magazine go and now it's just digital she's just doing speaking and workshops and things like that. And I think that it's really important to do some market validation with your idea. For me, I wanted this big big office with all these staff, but actually there's a lot of big agencies that are doing that that are losing money some months. So keeping things lean and really assessing what's going to work in your market and industry and in New Zealand right now is really important so that you don't lose money. Do you miss having somebody their day-to-day as a colleague you know a lot of people who are used to working in an office it's it's nice to have that work mate that friend you have lunch with uh, you become quite close is it tough to be the sole person yeah I think initially I was really kind of uh you know interested with how because I'm such a people person what that would be like but to be honest it's actually great because I am meeting with every day is different either I'm at a TV interview or I'm at a magazine shoot for a publicity campaign or I'm meeting with a client about a job or I'm pitching, you know, meeting with a new client, pitching a new project or I'm meeting with contractors. So to be honest, I don't miss it because you actually get so much interaction with so many different people. Uh, What's really nice is not being tied to a desk and not being tied to, you know, nine to five, but having that complete flexibility to do what actually is best for you. You know, for me, I love being able to structure my day in different, you know, time slots. And I'm very structured and I have different slots for different clients. And I think being able to be in control of your schedule is just the best thing in the world. Have you had a holiday since you started your business? (laughs) Um, I've had a few short, yeah, short ones. But it's funny you say that because I'm actually just now like, okay, I think I need a really good break. And do you think you'll yeah. be able to actually have a break, keep the computer shut? Yeah, I think that's kind of one, that's definitely one of the challenges. Like when I have been away, I've still been, you know, every night the emails are cleared because you want to be so responsive with your clients. But I do think once you build that really good relationship, you're able just to say, look, we're unavailable for, you know, a week or two weeks. I think self-care is one of the most important things. You've got to enjoy life. You know, you don't want to burn out because then you're no use to anyone. No, and then what was the point in the first place? Looking back on your first year, is there anything you'd have done differently? 
Yeah, actually, one of the biggest things I would have done, I, I didn't realise people just don't, not everyone pays on time. And then you have suppliers that are waiting for payments. So it's really important, I think, to charge expenses up front and really important to take bigger deposits up front and to have weekly AP payments from clients because otherwise you end up with a bit of a cash flow problem because sometimes people won't pay you for months and then you have suppliers waiting on you. And also realizing you're not a bank, so you don't wanna be paying out suppliers when your client hasn't paid you. You know what I mean? You shouldn't be out of pocket. So having a system for cash flow is really vital. Yeah, I imagine that anybody listening to this who's ever been a contractor would be nodding their head along right now because yes, the delay between invoicing and getting paid can be quite dramatic. Yeah, and also uh, in those first client consultations, sometimes you have people that just try and get the whole strategy that they should pay for in a consultation and really putting boundaries and realizing you know working on billable hours I've realized how valuable my skills and time and insights and ideas are so I always give a little bit in the first meeting to show them that I'm capable and why they should sign with us but I always use a case study of another client I won't give them ideas just for, the, for what they're doing because that's the next step where they need to sign, they need to pay a deposit and we go away and we get our head totally around their brand and come up with some amazing ideas to get incredible results. I think also word of mouth is really important and encouraging your clients to promote you to their network um, is great and a social media strategy, you know, making sure you've got time where you're working on the business. I think that's been one of the things that I'm continuing to do more next year it's just making sure that we're actually doing for the business what we do for our clients. Exactly. You've got to take care of your own social strategy as well as everybody else. That's it. It's yeah. so easy to stop stop the LinkedIn posts or the Instagram or, you know, the publicity for your own business. But actually, you need time in your week to be able to focus on those things so that people, you're growing awareness of your brand and that new people are hearing about you and you're signing, you know, really great clients all the time. So overall, for anybody listening to this thinking, yes, I, I really want to take that step, what is the great thing about being your own boss? What is, what is it that makes it a, such a cool thing to do? I have to say it's the most fulfilling thing you, you can ever do. Um, absolutely, it's so worth it. I've had some really amazing in-house roles with some incredible companies and worked with some very clever CEOs. And I have to say that running your own business just brings another level of fulfillment. Being able to wake up every day and know that you are putting systems and processes in place and that you've built something all on your own is just the most amazing feeling. And being able to see clients get results like they've never had before is also very, very rewarding. And then when you see the profit, um, that's just like a bonus. And flexibility, obviously, being your own boss, I just don't think anything can beat it. No, if you need to take a day off, well, not that you probably would, but just knowing that you can, that you have that freedom must be a great feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And if you need to do that, then you can, you know, so just being able to actually have that option is really amazing. Your um, business does specialise in helping people grow their social media or deal with their social media strategy. And I think that is an area that a lot of people struggle with. Um, I know a lot of people my age, being a Gen X girl, we didn't grow up with digital. And as 
um, my friend Carrie Ray said, I'm an analog girl and I just don't want to deal with Facebook. <laughs> uh, I think there are a lot of people who feel that way, but it is an, an, you know, an inevitable part of life now. So you have a lot of um, skills in the social media area. So let's pick your brains for a minute. So do you think a business needs to be on all the platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, or do you think they should pick and choose what's more suitable to their actual company? I think creating a business plan and then having a marketing strategy and a social media component to that is very important. You can't do all the platforms well. So it's all about who are your clients, who are you trying to sign, who are you trying to reach, and what platforms are they on. So for me, it's small to medium-sized businesses or large companies. So we are on Facebook, but it's not actually one of my main platforms. Mine is really LinkedIn. So we're starting to create more content for LinkedIn because that's where business owners are and that's where new clients are. So that makes sense. And also Instagram. So I think two platforms is probably the most you can do really well. You can always link Facebook and Instagram, but research has shown that it's not as effective when you do that. It's better to tailor content. I think also doing research, posting at peak times is really important for your industry and also seeing the reach, you know, what platform is actually getting the most engagement. So we know Facebook is the biggest platform at the moment in New Zealand, but Instagram, since being brought by um, Facebook and also adopting all the Snapchat features, is fast on the rise. And a lot of people are starting to do online buying through Instagram. So, you know, LinkedIn also is very popular. So it's all about who are you trying to reach and where are they and what times are they on there and what content will relate to them. And remembering the 70-30 rule. 70% of the time, they don't want to know about your business. They want things that interest them. Share content that's relevant and mix it up. Only 30% of the time can you put things that are very kind of like specific to your business. Otherwise, people will just unfollow you. So what um, what are the common mistakes that you see brands making on social media? Uh, the, one of the common things I find is when people just talk about their business, people just unlike unfollow. They're just not interested. They want other content. You've got to engage them in other ways. I always think social media is like it's like a relationship that you have with a friend. You don't sit there at lunch and only talk about yourself. <laughs> well, some people do, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then no one wants to see them again. No. You know, it's like it's a real relationship. So it's really thinking about different things you can put up, and also you know, video is really important, and hashtag optimization as well. Like, how are you attracting your target audience to your platforms and how can you link with other social influencers or other businesses that have larger followings and have your customers that follow them your target audience how can you do cross promotions that will benefit both of you that are a win-win and expand your reach are influencers still in a growth phase or have we reached peak influencer in our society at the moment what's what's going on with um trusting individuals with brand stories it's so fascinating I'm really loving that we're seeing the rise of the social influencer but it's still very much in development in New Zealand you know if you look at America and Australia I think they're far more advanced with it you know I think still a lot of the strategies we're doing we are we are definitely taking traditional marketing budget and we are putting more into digital but I always say to brands you know test the waters test what's going to work for you you can't just put a promo code up with a social influence and 
influencer and expect that it's just going to happen overnight. I think integrated campaigns is what we do a lot of and I think that works. You need public relations, you need digital, but you also need traditional marketing and you need a combination of all of those factors, I think, right now to get a good result. So what New Zealand brands do you think are doing a really good job of social media? Yeah, really, really good question. Actually, we are just doing a campaign right now with Huawei, and I think that they're doing some really cool work. I think they're a very cool kind of edgy business, and it's cool how they're actually at like Fashion Week and doing different things, but they're creating really good video content, and then they're really putting some good advertising spend and targeting their ads, so it's getting some really good reach online. So I really enjoy watching their campaigns and what they're rolling out. For people who need advice and with social media with their brands, where can they turn to for help? I think there's so much online um, for social media and then I also think if, I think it's a good investment, obviously for me, I think it's a good investment to have somebody, you know, like the social experience, having someone that's a specialist in doing it. There's, we have a whole range of different packages from, you know, a really lean business to really large businesses. But I think if you can outsource it and actually get someone to do it even for three months or six months, they can actually really build a good following and get some good content. It does take time. It doesn't happen overnight, but it's a very important factor and it needs to be done well. You can always tell people that sometimes are doing DIY kind of social media. So I think it's a good investment to get to make sure it's done professionally or you have someone that has all the skills and knowledge and is up to date with all the research that's coming out all the time. So you're just on that cutting edge. Is there anything else, just in a general starting your business sense, that you think a woman would benefit hearing from you as, as your own boss? Yeah, actually one of the things that I found really useful and um, that I would encourage other people to do is ATED actually have this really amazing uh, program. If you're a new business, you can go meet with them, the Regional Business Association, and they actually will give you a plan of different people that they think are valuable. They know what's happening in the city and they'll link you in with really good workshops or conferences that could help upskill and develop you or develop your business. And also they will actually like give you up to $5,000 of funding each year um, for capacity building. So for my business coaching, it was a $10,000 package, but I was able to have $5,000 of that funded. And I think a lot of people don't realize that these things are available to them, but it's wonderful to be able to get that help. Yeah, that's amazing. I didn't know about that at all. Yeah. So I'd really encourage everybody to, to do that. Thank you, Natalie, for sharing your business journey with us today. You're clearly very passionate about what you do, and you're a great example of someone taking the knowledge they've built up working in an industry and using that to start your own success story. Congratulations on all you've achieved so far. I wish you all the best for the future. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Her Own Boss. Feel free to contact me with any feedback on this episode. My email address is with the details of this podcast. Thanks again for listening. Look out for our next episode coming soon.